Thank you for tuning in to the North Wind podcast. My name is Justin Van Hoff, the editor-in-chief for the North Wind, and I'm joined by fellow editors Peter Smedley, the features editor, and Travis Nelson, the sports editor. This week, March 3rd, 2021, we had a very exciting week of stories and, and a lot of different topics covered from vaccine distribution to trail conservation and a tough loss for the women's basketball team against Davenport. And with that, we'll start with the news section. So this piece uh, is really about the plan for vaccination, what students can expect, when they can expect it. And although there hasn't been a a solid date on when the university is expected to get vaccines, uh, Kirkpatrick addressed that they've been put into the system to be able to order vaccines and be able to distribute it when they get the vaccines. So we had uh, our our writer, Ashley Baronja, our news editor, sit down with Kirkpatrick and ask him about a couple of the things that are going on in this process. So let's hear from Dr. Kirkpatrick. So uh, we're going to be using a process very much like the uh, passport. We've actually modified that in some ways. So uh, we've grouped all faculty, staff, and students within the respective categories that you can find on the uh, MDHHS website. So basically we're following uh, to the letter um, the categories and the, the, the priority orders from the state of Michigan uh, very closely. We do not have a specific date where we'll get vaccine from, uh, but we have gotten the initial uh, access to the, to the system, the uh, the scheduling system, and once the uh, state of Michigan gives that out, usually vaccines follow shortly thereafter. So as Kirkpatrick discussed there, they've got a plan in place for when they get the vaccine um, ready to dis- distribute it to all the students. It's more so the waiting phase. Um, I think that that goes to say like a, a lot of the, the national, especially here in Michigan, we don't really know um, when vaccines will be given. It's based on how big the supply is. Uh, later on in that quote that was not included, he talked about uh, the local health system here, Marquette Health System, gets about 1,100 doses per week. Uh, and currently they're able to handle that load themselves. Uh, but with more vaccines, it's likely that they will be collaborating NMU and the Marquette Health Department to administer even more doses than that. I think, you know, it's, it was encouraging. This is coming off the, the backs of earlier on in the week, Biden saying that by the end of May now, they're looking to get everyone vaccinated uh, and we're on track for that. I think, you know, no matter what your feelings are, that's a, that's a good thing for everybody. Knowing that there's a plan in place for people here at NMU, uh, all the way up to the top, you know, President of the United States has a plan as well. So, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to get vaccinated myself and, and to be able to return to some sort of normalcy, hopefully in the fall, if we continue on that timeline. Uh, I, I really, I understand, you know, we don't know the exact day and I don't think anyone will until it happens. But having a plan is is exactly where we need to be at at this point. I mean, I'm pretty excited about it, too. I think this has a lot of potential if we do end up getting vaccinated by the end of May. I mean, that means not exactly an open free summer where we can do whatever we want. But, you know, we, there's a little bit of leeway there. We can start really opening things up again. I know we're lessening restrictions at the moment, but so where we can all, as you said, return to that sense of normalcy that we're all missing so much and that we all really need right now. I mean... I know uh, the entire nation is kind of struggling mental health-wise. A lot of college students are as well. And I think opening up or at least getting these vaccines out will at least lessen that load. You know, you just, you look at all the the talk about vaccines is kind of, um, 
redundant. It feels redundant in a way because of how much they've been talked about over the past months. And you just hope that um, like what President Biden said was is going to happen. And then along with that, like this Northern plan, like along with that, you know, everyone Northern will be incorporated into that. And um, to hope for some normalcy come fall time, that would be or August whenever when we go back, and that would be. That'd be very nice to see. I mean, honestly, it's just tough to – honestly, it's tough to count COVID out at this point. You can't – won't go away. It's been nearly a year since everything shut down the, the originally, so still prevalent, obviously. And um, it's just going to be something that we got to, again, stay vigilant in and um, keep battling, I guess, until we get to that point of normalcy. Yeah, I think it's really encouraging, though, that Kirkpatrick uh, seems like he's in discussion with uh, local health department uh, and and people here at NMU you know he's got that they've got the insight of being able to talk to the local health department so they kind of know what to expect having a game plan they're really just waiting on the vaccines at this point it seems like they've got all of the things in place ready to go and when they get that vaccine hopefully it'll be as seamless as that passport to campus event and I think that was a good idea too. keeping things similar to that passport campus event will make students feel more comfortable uh, and kind of know what to expect a little bit. I, I think, think that's it, important. Yeah, I think it ran smooth, smoothly with the passport to campus. And it was um, if, if, if it's like that, if it becomes like that later this semester or it'd be later this um, depends on when that would be. But obviously, that would be very encouraging to see if it was very sim- if it was similar to that. But, um, you know, it just going to be it's going to be exciting if if like what if the vaccines are, are able to hear and it's glad it's it is very exciting to hear that Kirkpatrick has like there's a plan set in stone for us and that's definitely something to look forward to. I feel like we've been a little bit in limbo lately you know we're all just sitting in this waiting room waiting for some sort of confirmation or just some sort of hey this is happening this is when it's happening and students are going to get vaccinated and we're all kind of just just waiting for it to happen and I don't know I think some sort of word on it or some more official statement on it would be kind of nice to have right now. That's for all this kind of sitting here in limbo waiting. Yeah, and for more information on this article, you can read it at thenorthwindonline.com. Uh, the article will have more information about, you know, restrictions that are lifting this coming Friday and more from Kirkpatrick and others about NMU's initiative. Uh, so please check that out if you are interested in learning more. Now shifting focus from vaccines to conservation efforts. Peter, you had a really interesting story this week about what people are doing to keep our local trails nice and groomed. Yep, so uh, this week, you know, we got the spring coming. Everything's warming up a little bit. I hear ducks outside my window all the time now. Um, Yeah, with all that happening, people are going to come out on the trails a lot more. And with everything thawing out as well, I mean, what we hit like 40 degrees this week, kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, I met with Jane Fitkin. She is one of the co-leaders of the conservation crew and I spoke with her about trail maintenance and what they do for like local trail systems. One of the ones that they support a lot is the UP Land Conservancy. They help manage uh, a trail on there called Tories Woods or what the one of their forest areas called Tories Woods and uh, yeah I spoke with her about what they do as a group how they go out into the woods and fix the trails or do small maintenance things like miscellaneous things like building sheds for tools or just clearing the trails in the winter and the summer times so we can hear from Jane here. Making the trails cleaner and more accessible hopefully we'll get more people out to the trails and keep them on the trails which, you know, lessens the impact of humans on other parts of the land um, since they're focused on just this one strip. 
Um, and it helps to get people out into nature and hopefully caring about the environment. So they think twice the next time they see, you know, a plastic straw or, mm-hmm. you know, a cigarette on the ground. Um, so hopefully they can develop that same passion. So living in Marquette, I think we all have a little bit of appreciation for the wilderness around us. As much as we don't always define it as wilderness, you know, a trail on the side of the road isn't quite wilderness, but it's nice to look at. And when we go on those trails, we all like to have that sense of isolation and to be away from people, you know, escape a little bit. But uh, a big part of that is keeping the trails clean, keeping them maintained. And there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of work behind the scenes that I think a lot of people don't really realize to keep those trails healthy and for others to enjoy. So I think it's important to continue to maintain that. Yeah, and, and it's cool too that this uh, this group is is coming together and doing this as a group because it's not just something that uh, is useful for people who use the trail. It's also a good team building exercise and a good way to build that community. Going out and, and doing conservation work as a group is so much fun uh, because you get that that, you know, interaction, that social interaction that we're all desperately craving right now, um, but also in a safe way outside doing something that that makes a difference for the community. You know, like you said, Peter, we don't always think about that while we're going and taking a walk on our favorite trail, but there's a reason why that trail is clean and well-groomed. And, and it's cool that this is a group of, of students and people who are passionate about conservation just coming together and doing this in their free time. I think that says a lot about, you know, our local community and the kind of students that attend Northern people that really care about the local, uh, you know, the local environment and, and how people will use the land and making sure that it's, it's safe too. Yeah. Going along with just Justin said, with just what he said, um, you know, it's people's favorite trails are there are their favorite trails for a reason. And there wouldn't be a favorite trail if they were mess. they weren't in great condition to be used. And it's really talking about the trail maintenance, things like that, which I had familiarized myself with a little bit last semester talking with the conservation crew. And it's like, you know, it's really, about how important that is for our community and our, well, not only community, but our, obviously the nature that surrounds us because, you know, it's one of the prettiest places in the, probably the world in Marquette. And, um, you know, it's to keep it that way is really important for us and tourists to come and use. Yeah, I really do commend Conservation Crew for, for working so hard to make sure that, you know, they're getting involved in these different forms of, of conservation and, and making sure that people can use things safely. Uh, I think the, the part of that quote that was interesting and, and something that people might always think about is conservation efforts aren't always just, you know, grooming the trail, making sure it doesn't have trash on it. It's also building things that are essential to the trail. Uh, you know, like she had used the example of, you know, storage sheds for tools and that sort of thing. Um, so it's cool, you know, students coming together to use what power they have, what resources they have to help out the community. It's always a good story to hear and, and something that makes me pretty happy. For those who are interested in reading more from this piece, you can read more at the Northwind online in the features section. And now shifting focus from conservation efforts to a pretty tough loss for, for the women's basketball team against Davenport. Travis, uh, give us an update on that. Yeah, so um, Dallas Wertola covered that game for us last night, and um, Northern Michigan women's basketball played in the GLIAC tournament, postseason tournament. They had to win it to get in the NCAA tournament. Seven seed is a tough, tough task, but if they would have won last night, they would have advanced on to the quarterfinals down in Indiana against 
tough Grand Valley State team. But um, last night the season came to an end, and um, the woman lost by 16, 61-45 Davenport. And they just these two teams just played um, February 20. They played just the February 20, 19th to 20th down in Grand Rapids, Davenport, where Davenport is, and um, split. So this is a rubber match of sorts in the tournament, and um, Davenport has proved to be too much for Northern, and Northern bows out for this season. It was fun to follow them along and um, see them grow because they have a lot of young players on that team. And, you know, Coach Matson, Troy Matson talked about over and over again how his team was young, and um, it was tough to – Tough for this offseason, very shortened compared to what you get in a normal year. And it was very hard with this COVID stuff to get them ready for the speed of this college basketball. He's talked about it on many occasions, but um, in this quote you hear say here, it's um, talked, he's talked about um, after the game, like what, what went wrong for Northern against Davenport. And here's Coach Matson. Yeah, I did. On the defensive end, I saw some things that we've been. We, we, we tried to concentrate a little bit on basically today um, some things. I, I did see some things out there. Um, we didn't shoot the ball very good. You know, we've been shooting the ball well. I mean, we only had uh, eight turnovers and, you know, we out-rebounded them. And uh, they shot the ball extremely well and we didn't shoot the ball very well. And, and then I think the free throw line nicked us a little. You know, five for ten from the free throw line is not good. Uh, for a really good free throw shooting team. So, you know, we, we, we did some decent things on the defensive end, but we just, I mean, if it might've been one of our worst shooting performances all year and uh, unfortunately it hit us tonight. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. You hear him talk about how this was probably their worst shooting performance of the season for it to land on the last game. That's, that's never the situation that any team wants to find themselves in. Uh, it it's really unfortunate this is the end of their season, but I think that we got to give them a lot of credit for how much work they put into such a non-traditional season. Uh, I really, you know, couldn't imagine the, uh, the kind of training that they had to, you know, work through, you know, we talked about how they, you know, were set back in a number of ways because COVID and still came back and, and put in a good season. It's unfortunate, you know, that it ended this way uh, with, with a pretty rough game and, and poor shooting, uh, but I don't think that says anything about about the people on this team. Uh, I, Travis, you mentioned that a lot of these these people are younger, and I think that this non traditional season, you know, as things begin to shift and move back to more traditional things, we're hoping for uh, this will be a pretty strong team. You know, if, if any team can can deal with all of this and and come out on top, uh, I, I definitely feel like it's it's NMU. Yeah, I mean they they showed a lot of resiliency this season. I mean they got the seventh seed in the GLIAC tournament. This year, all 12 teams made it, but usually only eight make it in a normal season. So, but they would have made it regardless of the top eight, how young this team is. And not only that, they lost their second best player this year, junior forward Emily Miller to a in lower leg injury. I'm not sure what the injury was, but she's wearing a walking boot a bunch for the last probably month and a half. So it's been tough for them not to have her also. And they just kept battling and battling, had five, five freshmen play big minutes and um, it's been, it's tough because you, you would think at, at the outside viewer, you know, it's like, you're still a college player, but you watch, like you watch a freshman out there compared to a senior. It's, it's crazy. The difference that these freshmen will, like by the time they're seniors, it'd be crazy to look at the difference of how better they get. And they're, they're all good players right now. It's just, they're very young and it's just tough to um, 
get accumulated that fast to the college level. But um, they showed a lot of fight this year, and it was fun. Like I looked earlier, like they could have been even better than what they finished. But they still ten and eight. They finished with a positive record on the season, and that's all. And it's tough. And now if a longer off season, hopefully where you can get back in the gym and actually have like a full summer and work out and things along that nature. I mean, that should only help the freshmen coming in too. And um, the, this year's squad next year building for that. Yeah. With a lot of those freshmen, I mean, they're coming off of high school teams playing into a college league and with how unusual this year has been for them, they're doing very well. And I think they have a lot of room to grow for next year. I think when things start to even out and things look a little bit more clear and they can practice regularly and everything is, as it is normal or as, as it's normal, like it was previous years that they have a really good shot of actually making it further and a lot and doing a lot better. Yeah. Because like Michigan tech ended up um, Michigan tech had the same practice time as NMU in that terms, because I mean, like you look at like our teams in the state of Michigan in general, but um, like Michigan tech ended up winning the GLIAC, but you look at their team compared to Northern's team and Michigan tech's best players are all juniors and seniors. Yeah. Compared to Northern's best player as a sophomore this year. And then like they had they played one senior, our colleague Liz Lutz was their only senior on this year's team who played who played like in big minutes. So it's gonna be fun to see next year. Hopefully this like I said, hopefully with this offseason, if if it's regular in any way, more than this past year, they should be able to build off it because I mean not, I mean, if we're being honest here, like they, if they, they could have, they could have, that was a winnable game last night, but they would probably have lost the next game because Grand Valley State is the second best team in the conference. And that would have been a very tough game to win for Northern. But this is a winnable game. That's probably what they like were regretting more as compared to. But I just think it's only going to help. This experience in a tournament setting is only going to help them next year, too. All this ex- more experience and experience for these kids. Thank you, Travis. And with that, if you'd like to read more from Dallas's piece, you can read it at the North Window Online on the sports section. And with that, that concludes our podcast. If you are interested in listening more or to the previous issues as well, you can listen on our SoundCloud at the North Wind Podcast, on our Anchor at the North Wind Podcast, and on Spotify, the North Wind Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful weekend. And thank you for tuning in.